Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Thursday, December the 20th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, it's Preview Thursday. We'll get into a deep dive on the Jacksonville Jaguars as the Dolphins cling to slam playoff hopes. But first, I'm going to revisit my preseason position on this coaching staff and the quarterback in admission of guilt, if you will. Where did I go wrong? Plus, we'll rattle off the scenarios against the Dolphins into the playoffs for old time's sake. But first, really quick, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Follow me on Twitter at WingfulNFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com. We have the preview write-up up there for you guys right now. And of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts. And I have quite the lengthy monologue to kick things off. Let's go ahead and do that. That's another Miami Dolphins And first down on today's Locked On Dolphins podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. And credibility is... Pretty important in my role. If I consistently gave you guys incorrect information and predictions, surely you'd stop listening to the show altogether. And it's not that I feel like I owe anybody anything, but for the sake of credibility, I want to air my grievances with my own preseason predictions back in August all summer long. Surely you guys know that I was awfully bullish on this Dolphins team heading into the year. And yeah, they are 7-7, seven and seven, but they haven't performed like I thought they would in many areas. I liked the explosive playmakers on the outside. I thought the starting five linemen up front were the best Miami had had in a long time. I thought Gaze had overcome some of his own shortcomings as the year went along in 2017. I thought the defense would struggle, but do enough i.e. getting better on third down defense, better playing in the red zone and getting more takeaways. And they've done that, but the rest is still a massive, massive issue, including personnel usage. And that personnel usage is something that I've harped on all week and several weeks now going back. I don't need to get back into the details, but Gaze did start playing Jakeem Grant, Kenyon Drake, and Vincent Taylor down the stretch last year after all three of those guys showed huge potential down the stretch in 2017. He reverts back to making Kenyon Drake a backup. Jakeem Grant, a gadget player, and Vincent Taylor, a non-starter, despite being the best defensive tackle on this team by a long shot, so he didn't learn anything in that regard. He puts his trust in guys that he can, well, trust. I don't mind that so much, but Amendola out-repping Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant, that is inexcusable. That's a fireable offense right there alone. The message of the offseason was built around repairing a locker room that was something of a shambolic state back in 2017. But who was the one that was in charge of putting those locker rooms together in the first place? Oh, well, I guess I'll buy on faith alone for Adam Gaze right now. But then you fast forward a few months and now here is Rashad Jones, future ring of honor Rashad Jones, questioning the coaching and his future in Miami. Check out Joe Shad's column on the ladder there, Rashad Jones' future in Miami. And you might say, well, Rashad is referring to the defense and the coaches on defense, particularly Matt Burke. But it's Adam Gaze's job to oversee the entire operation. An issue a player has with Matt Burke is an issue the player has with Adam Gaze because it falls under his umbrella. And we know Gaze's choices at assembling a staff are questionable at best. Hell, that's 75% of the job as a head coach, putting people in position to relay your message, to teach players, to get them up to speed on the mental side of the game and get their mental and physical skill sets aligned. 
When has that ever happened here? Who has improved under this current staff? Xavier Howard and Laramie Tunzel, those guys were both top 50 picks. That's a natural progression they should follow. The offensive line hasn't picked up a stunt, that's a little bit of hyperbole, since Adam Gates has been here teaching. Hell, the previous offensive line coach was caught doing blow at his desk at work. He brought his buddies Dow Loggins and Clyde Christensen in here to do what? To consult? Okay. So in spite of all of this, in spite of being ravaged by injuries, and really the Dolphins aren't that much worse than some other teams in the league. Just look at Jacksonville's IR if you don't believe me. But despite all of those obstacles, Gaze has this team at 7-7. Seven and seven. A miracle, some will propose. But is it? Gaze's saving grace is the fact that he's magically 23-23 and 23, despite rolling out Matt Moore, Jay Cutler, Brock Osweiler. You've all heard the excuses. But is it magic? No. Or maybe it is. Maybe magic does cause opposing kickers to choke at an insane rate against this Dolphins team. And excuse me for rehashing this argument once again, but it's the best way I can refute literally the one argument I see on Twitter for keeping gaze, the pro-gaze argument. Quote, bro, he's 7-7 with all these injuries. End quote. But how short-sighted is that? Just looking at the overall outcome of the games. I can give you six games that were determined because of the opposing kicker flat out missing a makeable kick. That's it. Nothing in the scheme. No execution from the other 52 guys. Just the least athletic, least football player on the field missing kicks. His one job. That's pure luck and nothing else. Adam Gates has won six games because of that luck. 2016 against the Browns, you all know about Cody Parking in that game. 2016 against the Bills, they missed a big kick in the first quarter in a game that eventually went to overtime. 2017 against the Los Angeles Chargers, two missed kicks from under 50 yards, including the game winner. 2018, Cody Parkey again in overtime misses a kick. The Buffalo Bills, a few weeks later, missed two kicks, a PAT and a field goal, and they would have had a chance to kick a game winner if they were within three points at the end, but they weren't because of missed kicks. And then the Miracle in Miami, Steven Goskowski misses a field goal and a PAT, four more points in a game that was decided by one point. And in the last two years, Miami has missed only three field goals. That's incredible. Cody Parkey and Jason Sanders were superb the last two years, and it really points out that Miami has basically squandered great kicking luck. So if Gaze was 17 and 29 in those three years, minus those six games where the kickers cost the other team the game, would you still have that same argument slash support? Because if opposing kickers just did their job, something completely out of anybody else's control, that's what Adam Gaze would be. So my mea culpa comes from thinking he'd adapt the poor personnel decisions, thinking that he might assume some accountability for his own shortcomings, thinking his adjusted staff would pay dividends. None of those things happened here in year three. He's shown a proclivity for nepotism and a failure to veer course when his original plan didn't work and it's not working out in Miami. I mean, do we even fully trust that the bench doesn't currently have some budding star waiting in the wings? It's happened every year so far. Is Kalen Balaj the next one to do it? Let's close the Adam Gaze flame fest with the quote that broke Twitter on Thursday. And I'm pulling this from Antoine Staley of the USA Today Dolphins Wire on Twitter. He is at Antoine Staley. I met Antoine down in South Florida. Really cool guy. But Antoine pulled this quote from the Dolphins official team page. The question was, home and away is always tough or there's usually an advantage at home. But any reason you think, Coach Gaze, your team, why it's such a disparity between home and away? Coach Gaze says, quote, I think our away games, we played some good teams. We caught Cincinnati when they were first in the division and one of the hottest offenses in football. We had opportunities in that game. New England is always a tough place to play. That's probably why they have the best home record over the last three years. Indy was hot when we got them. Green Bay was still playing pretty good at the time. Houston, obviously, has continued playing well throughout the entire year. We got Minnesota probably at the wrong time. It was do or die for them. Wasn't it for you? 
They make a coaching change, and their guys were pretty fired up to play. They're a tough defense. We got caught on the wrong end of that one, and it played as poorly as a team, and we got a, we got way behind on a team you can't get behind on. So he makes these excuses for playing good teams and losing to them. So if he's going to be here, if the Dolphins are playing a good team, we just have to expect that they're going to lose the game. I guess that's the message he's portraying. I just think this guy is in over his head. I like Adam Gaze as a person. I think he's a good guy. I think he has a lot of qualities you like about him, but it's just not working. And that's okay. It's okay that it doesn't work out. I just think it's time to move on. My reaction to that is that he's in over his head and things are starting to kind of burn down from the inside. Now, real quick, as far as Ryan Tannehill goes, you've heard me talk about it. I'll make it brief. The physical tools are all there. He's capable of the big game, usually games at home, and his all 22 can really generate some excitement at times and get you excited about what he could be in the future. But there are just too many instances where he comes up small in big moments, particularly on the road. His lack of natural feel just never got corrected. Perhaps that trait is entirely inherent, something I was hoping he could cultivate in his later years in his career, but it just didn't happen. The natural feel to find space in a compromised pocket, the natural understanding of game theory and how to manage certain situations, the Bill Belichick mantra, he just doesn't do these things. So he's entirely capable of skating by on his physical traits, hanging out in that 12th to 18th best quarterback in the league range, and I'm sure he'll do that for a few more years, and some teams are going to be happy with that. And I'm fine with keeping that. I just want to try for more. I think Kyler Murray is a lot more. That's what I want to do at all costs. Go get Kyler Murray. Anybody else, I'm okay with Tannehill. And there's room on the roster for both those guys in 2019. Okay, let's go ahead and shift gears here and move towards the preview for Sunday's game against the Jaguars. We'll do that next, but first, a word from DraftKings. Fantasy football season is coming to an end and bragging rights and huge cash prizes are up for grabs this weekend and all season long at DraftKings, the leader in one-week fantasy sports. How huge? We're talking over $1.5 million in total prizes. With one-week fantasy at DraftKings, you choose when to play, you draft a new team every week with no season-long commitments, and at DraftKings, you are the GM, you are the Chris Greer, the Mike Tannenbaum. You just choose your players, stay under the salary cap, and see how you your team stacks up against the competition. No matter what your skill level is, there's a contest waiting for you at DraftKings. So if you've been thinking about trying one week fantasy football, now is the time to play because nothing makes football Sunday more exciting than when you have a DraftKings lineup on the line. And you can play for free right now with your first deposit to compete for your share of over $1.5 million in cash prizes. Just go to DraftKings.com or download the app and use promo code LOCKEDON to enter a contest for free this weekend with your first deposit and compete for your share of over $1.5 million in total prizes. That's code LOCKEDON only at DraftKings, the game inside the game. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Don't get a tattoo of a band and then not know that entire band's discography. That was my message on Twitter today. If you guys follow me on Twitter, at NFL, which you should be, you'll get your entire Dolphins football fix, plus a few somewhat humorous tweets from myself. I don't know. I try to be well-rounded. But let's scrap all that and go back to the football discussion here and talk about this Jaguars game coming up on Sunday because this Dolphins team, despite all the crap that's gone on this week and this year, they're still alive in the playoff hunt. And Saturday's a very big day for them as well with the Redskins and Titans game and the Ravens and Chargers game. Go Redskins and go 
Chargers in that one. Almost forgot who I was rooting for in that game. Let's get to this injury report here real quick for the Miami Dolphins, though. Once again, their report is about three times as long as the opposition. The Jaguars play safety Ronnie Harrison on IR. He is a DNP. Four other DNPs on Wednesday. Kicker Josh Lambeau, wide receiver DJ Shark, safety Gerard Wilson, and right tackle Jeremy Parnell. And then running back Leonard Fournette was a full participant on Wednesday's practice. We'll update you on tomorrow's report the Friday report on Friday's show. As for the Dolphins, Jawan James, Travis Swanson, Kenyon Drake, Kalen Balaj, Rashad Jones, and Devontae Parker were all full participants in practice. Limited guys, Ryan Tannehill, Xavier Howard, who says he never had knee surgery, which is interesting. I was told that by a source, which was combated by the Dolphins themselves, but now we're going back and saying he didn't have surgery, so apparently he did not. Cornell Armstrong, Kiko Alonso, Laramie Tunzel, and John Denny, all limited. Three DNPs, Danny Amendola, he gets the day off usually, but he also has a knee injury. Ziggy Hood was a DNP from a hamstring, and TJ McDonald with an ankle did not practice on Wednesday. So really, where are you guys at with this game in terms of excitement? Are you pumped to watch the Dolphins play a game they're probably going to win? I would assume they have a good chance of winning. Vegas thinks they'll win. They're minus four on the spread. 73 degrees, 65% humidity. Get out to Hard Rock Stadium if you want to see this team one last time before the year comes to an end. Dolphins are 7-7. Seven and seven. Jaguars are 4-10. and ten. And this Jaguars team is interesting for the sake that they are a lot like the Dolphins in many ways in terms of the coaching staff being praised one year and then being absolutely thrown out to dry the next year. Nathaniel Hackett, you guys will recall, was lauded for his efforts last year in the playoffs, getting a 42 spot against the Steelers, 20 against the Patriots, which was not that impressive as a total point scored, but the way that game evolved and the game plan he drew up was impressive. But since they fired him and put Blake Bortles on the bench three games ago, the Cody Kessler-led offense, the Scott Milanovic offense, has scored one offensive touchdown, and that was a touchdown in the final two minutes of that Thursday night beatdown when they were losing 30-2. to So they really don't have any relevant touchdowns since those changes have been made. As far as the defense goes... The guy from yesterday's podcast, Zach Goodall, he does a great job over at Locked On Jaguars, has a great column about Todd Wash and some of his shortcomings as a coach and playing really a soft cover three, cover one, and off-man coverage defense. The Dolphins figure to have a chance to kind of eat some yardage up underneath. This would be a great game for Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson to get going. And also they kind of struggle in the slot as far as their slot cornerbacks go. So of course the Dolphins' biggest strengths to combat that weakness or to attack that weakness, I should say, are both on the IR. And they're going to have to find a way to get Yannick and block Yannick and Gakwe, easy for me to say. Calais Campbell, Telvin Smith, Miles Jack, all those guys up front. They got to find a way to get them blocked. That's really the big concern in this game. This Jaguars defense could take over the game and really cause problems for the Dolphins offense, much in the same way the Vikings did last week. I mean, this is a Jaguars defense that shut the Colts out a few weeks ago. They are capable of playing up to their talent level. They just haven't done it a whole lot this year. So for the Dolphins to win this game, they have to be stout on defense and really put the clamps to this Jaguars. Jaguars offense that is not capable of doing anything. If you are a vehement fire Matt Burke guy, this could be your opportunity. If the Jaguars score 20 or more points, I would say you might just got to fire Burke before the final game. They won't do that. I do think he's out regardless, but this is a chance to really put the nail in Matt Burke's coffin if the Jaguars can do anything on offense. As far as the opportunities, I think this is a great chance for us to see an extended role for Kalen Balaj, Kenyon Drake. I want to see how those guys work together because they could be a dynamic backfield duo in 2019. We'll see if Adam Gaze actually wants to commit to that. 
On the defensive side of the ball, I am pretty sure Miami can get some takeaways and limit the third down production from this Jaguars offense. After all, the Jags are down four starters on the offensive line from their opening day roster. That includes left guard, huge mega free agent, Andrew Norwell. They replaced him with Patrick Omame, who was cut from the Giants, deemed not good enough on that awful offensive line, as was left tackle Eric Flowers, who was probably the biggest bust in Giants, maybe Giants history. But now here he is playing left tackle for the Jaguars. So Robert Quinn, Cam Wake, they ought to get some chances on Sunday, especially if Jeremy Parnell, the right tackle, cannot go. I just don't see a way the Dolphins don't harass the hell out of this Jaguars offense. Keep it low scoring, just as we talked about on yesterday's podcast with Zach Goodall and Christopher Thornton of Locked On Jaguars here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And you heard us talk about how probably the safest play in this game is just taking the under, but you never know. I guess there could be turnover, some big special teams plays. The over-under is 39, so if you want to do that, you think there's going to be less than six touchdowns in the game, have at it. My prediction for this game, we'll get to that here in a minute. I'm going to go ahead and table the locked-up segment of the podcast because, frankly, I sucked at it. So let's just go ahead and predict the game. We'll do that next on the other side here. But first, a word from Action Heat. The prediction segment of the Locked On Dolphins podcast today is brought to you by Action Heat. Action Heat makes the world's best battery-heated clothing with heat on demand at the touch of a button. And with Christmas right around the corner, less than a week away, Action Heat is the perfect gift for your friend or family member that works outside, loves going up to the mountains, or just anybody that likes being outside but hates being cold. The way Action Heat batteries work are awesome. They have a 5-volt lithium-ion battery that lasts up to 12 hours per charge, pumping temperatures of 135 degrees safely and efficiently onto your person. They can also charge your iPhone, your iPad, any gadget you have on you, you can charge when you're wearing Action Heat clothing, and they provide toasty warmth and comfort for your entire body. Heated jackets, socks, gloves, hats, even undergarments like heated base layer shirts and long johns stay warm and cozy from head to toe with Action Heat, and Action Heat is available both in men's and women's and has great new styles and models just released for this winter season. As the temperature starts to cool down, I don't leave the house anymore without my Action Heat jacket. Keeps me warm no matter where I am, no matter the temperature. And for a limited time only, we've got a special deal for our listeners to save 20% off your entire order. Just go to actionheat.com slash locked on to check out everything Action Heat has to offer. That's actionheat.com slash locked on or use the coupon code locked on at checkout to save 20%. Stay toasty warm while you enjoy all your outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Playoffs? Are we talking playoffs? We'll get to that here in just a second on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. But first, we got to predict this game as I did not do that in the B-Block segment here. I talked about some of the Jaguar struggles offensively and kind of how that plays into what the Dolphins could do well on defense and also just finding a way to protect the football on the offensive side. I really hope we get a look at the future dynamic duo in the backfield between Kalen Balaj and Kenyon Drake. I think Ryan Tannehill plays pretty good ball at Hard Rock Stadium. So with all those factors coming in, despite the fact that the Jaguars will probably play pretty stingy defense in this game, I'm going with the Miami Dolphins getting to 8-7. and seven. They extended the throwback jerseys for a third game, which is something the NFL normally will not let you do. So that magic dust returns. Dolphins get to 8-7 and seven with a relatively comfortable win, 19-9 to nine on Sunday. 
And if you want to read a more in-depth report on the Jaguars, from their personnel to their schemes, their coaching staff, everything involved on the Jacksonville Jaguars, you can find the most in-depth opponent scouting review up on LockedOnDolphins.com. And if the Dolphins get that win, they are going to need some help to make a playoff push. And I am just going to shamelessly read this playoff scenario. Playoffs? Playoff scenario. Okay, I throw that sound drop in there for you guys. Off of Safid Dean's column, up on the sunsentinel.com. Obviously, the first option for the Dolphins to get in, win their last two games, which is the precursor to all five of these scenarios, win their last two games, and then these things have to happen for them to get into the postseason. Scenario number one, the Patriots lose their last two games. They would tie at, at nine and seven, and the Dolphins would have the divisional tiebreaker over the Patriots, which would be crazy. Not going to happen. Let's go ahead and look at the other options here. The Ravens, Colts, and Titans all lose in Week 16, and then the Colts and Ravens win in Week 17, and the Dolphins would take the tiebreaker with Indy and Baltimore if all teams, all three of those teams finished 9-7. and seven. The next option, the Ravens, Colts, Titans all lose again in Week 16, and then the Ravens and Titans win in Week 17. The Titans and Colts play that Week 17 game. If the Dolphins are to survive to Week 17, that Colts-Titans game is going to have an impact on the Dolphins' playoff hopes. That, again, would give the Dolphins tiebreakers over Baltimore and Tennessee. The next option, the Ravens and Titans lose while the Colts win in Week 16, and then, of course, the Titans have to beat the Colts in Week 17. That gives the Dolphins, once again, a three-way tiebreaker over Baltimore more Tennessee and Indianapolis at nine and seven four-way tiebreaker I should say of course then the Ravens and Colts both lose this week while the Titans win and then all you have to do is swap the week 17 game the Colts have to take down the Titans so pretty obvious scenarios here for the Dolphins to find a way into the postseason win both their games root against the Titans and Colts this week and then if one of the Colts and Titans win this week you have to root for the other to beat the team that won in week 17 and of course we need one Ravens loss whether it's this week against the Chargers or next week against the Cleveland Browns so those are your scenarios not very likely. We'll see if it actually comes to fruition. We'll see if the Dolphins can find a way to get themselves to 9-7. and seven. If they do that, what else can you ask for, I guess? I mean, it's not likely, but just win the two games and see what happens from there. But as for this podcast, that is going to be my time today. You guys, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Check out the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts. Follow me on Twitter at WingfulNFL. Follow the show at LockdownFins. Keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog over at LockdownDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your Thursday. Be back tomorrow for another edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.